Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Fulhamish Extra. Extra! Extra! Extra. <laughs> we are here before our big trip to West London rivals Chelsea at the weekend and I am joined by Farrell Monk, hello. Don Betts hello, hello. and Ben Jarman. Hello listeners. Later on we're going to be talking to a few Chelsea voices to get the lowdown from the other side of SW6. But first off, you get to hear what these three Muppets think of it. <laughs> Farrell, do you want to start us off? Are we going to win at the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to make 40,000 Muppets seem really, really sad at the weekend and we're all going to laugh at them. How does that Battle sound? Battle of Kings Road. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're on, it's a good thing it's on Sunday because we can recover from the right old scrap down Fulham Road on the sun, Saturday night, aren't we, Dom? Exactly. It's the it's on the only card for a Fury World Cup, so... <laughs> Dom versus the Chelsea fan. Dom, Dom versus Chidge. Done. <laughs> right, Ben, let's talk Maurizio Sarri, let's talk Chelsea. How do you see this one panning out? I love Maurizio Sarri. I think he's absolutely fantastic manager. Um, I do think that they may just edge past us, just very, very slightly. I'll say things like that on the podcast. Well, yeah, go on. Why? They weren't. They've not been very good form. They've not been a very good form. However, I do feel like they will. This is a, a game where vintage Chelsea will come out and they will snap back and do it quite ruthlessly. Um, I think they may make a couple of changes. Um, I think they may may put Kante back in his his better role, and maybe uh, introduce Fabregas into a starting lineup. Especially if we're going to try and play a little bit more defensively than we have done in the past. He sort of feels like the guy that will unpick us with a couple of really good, intelligent passes, and it sort of feels like Pedro is the kind of guy that will have an impact on this match and may be the deciding factor. Dom, how do we go about approaching this game, and you know where are the weaknesses that Fulham can? pick off to try and have a go at Chelsea just taking you say Kante going back to the position I can't see Sarri not playing Jorginho agreed well, I, I think he might there's a there's a few musings that he may do I think probably their biggest weakness yeah, is their striker my more issue is I can't see Sarri just playing a natural anchorman there I think he wants a he wants a just a ball playing midfielder to dictate the play there and I think if as we saw with Spurs and whenever Chelsea have played poor this season if you take Jorginho out of the game you're getting rid of Chelsea's metronome and they, they can't play their football so I think if Jorginho is playing just not, I'm not it's going to be hard to take him out of the game he's a quality player but I think as we, as we mentioned on the podcast on Monday that is if you play someone like Johansson you can take him out of the game Deli Ali did it um, when they lost last weekend? So I think, for, yeah, I think for me, it's it's about how we d- stop Chelsea play more than how we're going to play against them. Mm. Foul. Yeah, I agree. David Luiz has been responsible for sixty four percent of the goals that Chelsea have conceded this this week this year this season. Can we have him on loan in January? <laughs> Can we have him on loan? Yeah, <laughs> hold he, him mid. Yeah, he'd fit he'd fit right in at Fulham, conceding <laughs> yeah. goals by the bucket. Um, is that where Fulham look to attack Chelsea? It's just going to sound like really kind of like simple, but. You know, we we are going to have to hit them on the counter. We are going to have to hit them hard and catch catch them on the break. And you know, thankfully from from Southampton game last Saturday that we can actually do that. Whereas earlier on in the season, I didn't think that we were capable of doing so. Perhaps we will be. We'll see a more potent sort of sort of outlet when we're when we're um, getting the ball forward from the breakdown. But we do have to stay tight. We do have to stay compact, and we do have to exploit their weaknesses. And it is from a f- certain floppy head Brazilian. 
Well, yeah. Dom, I'd just like to go back to what you were saying there about, about Jorginho. I also think he'll start. And a lot of Chelsea fans this week have been complaining that maybe that doesn't suit the Premier League or whatever. But actually, at Napoli, Jorginho wasn't you know, particularly successful to begin with. And it took some time to actually drill him into that kind of midfielder. What I think we'll see with Chelsea is them try to adapt to those kind of pressing games like Deli Ali did by making their passes quicker, faster, sharper. Can we be as sharp as Tottenham were in terms of closing that down? Or is that something that's above us and we therefore have to retreat and kind of back off it and, and try and set up solid behind the kind of two banks? Like West Ham did, for example. Yeah, obviously, if you look at Claudio Ranieri, you know he's an Italian manager, so he knows how a player like Jorginho, obviously Claudio Perlo's doing it. Hamsik sort of moving into that sort of position and Ancelotti's been trying to do this season. Mm. So I think he understands how it works tactically. So I think he will know, he will try to work out a way of stopping it. And I think, as I said before, it is about us stopping Chelsea from playing and then building our game from there. And I think, you know, Chelsea haven't, haven't got necessarily the greatest defence and it, it's not a very quick defence either. Apart from Antonio Rudiger, there's not much pace in the back line. Like Marcus Alonso and Cesar Pilaqueta aren't bombing wing-backs. Mm. David Luiz is always prone to mistakes. So I think Mitrovic, if we get, and if we can push up our players to be in and around Mitrovic when we get the ball up there, then I think we can cause them a lot of issues because they're not the greatest team at the back. They're not like Liverpool or Man City when it comes to defending or even Spurs, let's say. So I think for us, it's about negating their midfield and then going and then moving the ball up to Mitrovic and he can, we know he can cause them problems because with his back to goal, he's going to cause a lot of issues. Our work rate, Ben, was massively improved at the weekend, mm. but it's going to need to be even higher if we're to you know, nullify a team of Chelsea's quality. Mm. Do you see any changes in order to make that work rate you know, better, to, to improve our kind of ability to, to track back, I suppose? You know, I think we may make a change out wide. I've just had this sort of brainwave since Monday, but I think potentially we could maybe shift Cyrus Christie up to right midfield and then introduce Fossi Mensah at right back and see if we can give ourselves more cover in wide areas because Sherla didn't particularly provide it on Saturday against Southampton. I think our left side is fairly well drilled and if we introduce Joe Bryan it could get slightly better and more balanced but it would be quite nice to see Cyrus maybe given a little bit more free roam and to have him as more of a uh, on the counter style of player um, I'm sort of happy with our midfield if we can keep it compact and, and if we can keep nice and narrow I could see our our four across the middle becoming more of almost four central midfielders like Simeone plays rather than having them evenly spaced out and looking to go wide I think we'd probably be narrow and then break wider if we can Good, fair enough Well, any takes on lineup, Farrell? Would you would you keep it the same or you know, would you would you take Ben's suggestion there and, and, and switch it up a little bit? Usually I take Ben's um, opinion as gospel, but on this occasion I, I would say that I would like to keep it the same way as it was uh, as it was last weekend. You'll be hearing from my lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, you know, we did we did on the whole play play quite well and you know, we do know that the, the, the potential of this team is absolutely huge. There is quality throughout throughout the team. I do agree that Brian could come in and do a very good job down there and give us a, a lot of stability down there. But, you know, um, we've got to be a bit more defensive than we were in previous weeks because we are coming up against a very good Chelsea team. They will try and look to unlock. I do agree that they'll probably play Fabregas in there to try and pick a, pick a good pass out there. You know, if there was one thing that we can look to as kind of an advantage is the fact that they don't have a striker on form. They, you know, they don't have a top quality striker at their disposal which obviously is going to bite me in the bum and Giroud's going to bag eight goals or something yeah. along those lines. But 
you know, I, At least I think, we've called it now. Yeah. But I think, you know, like, Le Marchand is, is doing an excellent job at left-back. I didn't think at the start of the season, especially when that game against Brighton where he looked very suspect, I didn't think that he was our man for left-back. But the past couple of games have completely changed my opinion of him. Um, and I do think that stability is absolutely key at this moment in time. We cannot go and change the, the style of play completely. We, can't, we cannot go around just chopping and changing players willy-nilly. Dom, Andre Scherler left Chelsea under a little bit of a cloud. Will he be going back with a point to prove? Should yeah, he's going to add a by order, Matthew Arlingstown, when he scored in the 93rd minute. <laughs> and Alfie Mawson, you know, famous Chelsea fan. Yeah, exactly. You know, is it, is it, They're going to run It's together. all set up. It's all set up exactly. for a, a grandstand no, I th- finish. I mean, Scherler's a tough one. I mean, he'll want to prove himself against Chelsea, which is which could be a good thing. But then will it take his mind off the actual game tactically? And do you want to play a more defensive or a more natural wide player out there? A lot, you mentioned Christie moving up and bringing TFM back in. You can either play the likes of Aite or Cabana out wide. But for me, the main problem is I wouldn't play Seri. I think we should play Johansson or if Anguissa is back fit, I wouldn't mind seeing him in there. Just I know he hasn't been great so far, but I think you need someone with the legs in the midfield. And I think if Anguissa has been given a role where there's already the anchor man, and I think there is a player in there. So for me, I would drop Sarri and bring in Johansson most likely. And then I think the rest of the team is fine because I think Scherler will want to prove a point. Yeah, well, there we are. Ben, just as a final point, mm. what kind of reception should Claudio Ranieri be expecting at the bridge? I think you should get a positive one, but you can never really tell with Chelsea fans. Mind you, I did go to the absolute Frank Lampard wankfest a few weeks ago, and that was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a, he got a good reception at least oh he got a very good reception I think Claudio may, may well get the same he got a good one um, when he went there with Leicester as well so I wouldn't be surprised if he got a good one on the weekend well let's hear from a voice from the opposition camp I spoke to Nini of Blue Lions TV and I started off by asking him whether it was a good time to be playing Chelsea after such a loss to Spurs I think it could be a good time to play against us now. Even though Spurs really humbled us, they weren't the first team to use that system and tactic against us. Actually, the 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 first team to do that this season was Derby with guys like Lampard and Jody Morris, where they used that very effectively against us. And really, if everyone's being very uh, you know objective, they really should have won that game in the Carabao Cup against us. And since then, we played against a team like Everton that used a very similar tactic, and um, obviously Palace and Spurs as well. And um, we've been playing against a lot of London teams and not necessarily been playing as amazing throughout. So I think now it's a London derby. You know, of course, you guys getting your win against Southampton. Ranieri's back. I'm sure the players are feeling confident and really raring to go to show, you know what? This is the best time to play against us. We feel good about ourselves. Let's try and make something happen. I mean, there's a lot of people been pointing out different weaknesses in the Chelsea game. There's been a lot of chat about kind of Kante and, and Jorginho and how they fit together in the same team. I don't think that's a massive issue. What yeah. I'm interested in is where you think Chelsea's weaknesses lie and where Ooh. Fulham could look to get some joy on the weekend. Now, that is a great question. And I think our biggest, well, I think there's two weaknesses. I think um, one is our fullbacks and second is our striker. I feel that um, Morata... The issue with him is that he's too reliant on form and confidence. And I think that, you know, you can't you can't flip a coin every single time with this guy. I think I, you just can't really rely on him as much. And, you know, when you play in a system like this, every player has to play their part. In a sense, it's like a very complex jigsaw puzzle. Once one person doesn't fit, it affects what others do. And there was one prime example in that game against Spurs. You know, we just went 1-0 down. Louise advanced with the ball up the pitch. 
Now, Morata, he's managed to lose um, Foyth, uh, one Foyth, uh, the Spurs defender. There was massive space down that left-hand side. And of course, you know, obviously, Sari's system about creating those vertical passing options. Now, to do that, you need people, your front three, making the runs, creating that space in the movement for that passing option. Now, because Morata didn't do that for whatever reason, maybe confidence, which I'm guessing is the case, that meant that Luis then had to, was forced to play a pass to Alonso. And because Luis was so up the pitch, that meant that Jorginho had to come deeper to cover for him. Now, Luis is annoyed because during the clip, uh, which I used in a video, he was pointing at Morata because he wanted to make the pass. So then Kovacic would have supported him. He could have dropped deep. And Jorginho then takes up that central occupation, meaning that you're not going to get that Son counterattack. And he does so many things like this all the time that really hampers our play in the final third. And I think that it's not looked at enough. And I think secondly, with our fullbacks as well, once you isolate them, I don't think they're very press resistant. They're not, they're not the type of fullbacks that have that attacking responsibility in the sense that, you know, they are going to keep the ball. They are going to look to you know, bomb down the byline by themselves to try and create something. They need support around them before they can get forward. And I think whenever I look at all the top teams in the world, you know, or teams that have top wide players, one thing they all have in common is they've got world-class fullbacks beside them to help support what they do. I don't think we have that. And this is why we were constantly uh, getting counter-attacked by Spurs every time. This is why teams always get their guys to make runs in behind our fullbacks is because they know that they're not going to get back and you can win the ball from them because they're very susceptible to losing it. And I think they're the two biggest things that need to be uh, clarified, I think. So the other the other thing that I kind of noticed against, against Spurs and, and kind of through the Chelsea season is that you step off a lot. And, and I know this is part of the kind of Sarri ball system, but the yeah. defence are quite happy to step off and let people kind of have the ball 25, 30 yards from goal. It's only when it actually really gets into the area that people step up. Yeah, you know, with people like Scherler, with Kearney, who we all know is dangerous from from a long strike, is there is there joy to be had there? And Mitrovic shoots on the turn all the time. If Mitrovic sees goal, he will shoot. And yeah. I suppose that kind of you look at the Harry Kane goal at the weekend, and I know it's bad, you know, defending in the way that the, he moves out of the way of it, and I know it's a little bit of a mix up. But yeah. in terms of getting that shot away early and getting the kind of surprise factor about it, you know, do you, do you think there's kind of something that Fulham could look to instigate in there? Um, yeah, probably. I think, I think with Kane, let's be serious, that's like a trademark of his, that early shot that comes from nowhere. But I think when he scored the goal, I think it took me a second just to realise, oh, they've scored. Um, but again, I think to create those types of opportunities, you can't be a team that sits deep and doesn't pressure us. I think, um, um, for example, when people were praising uh, Ross Barkley for looking rejuvenated, that was because, you know, we played against teams like Burnley and Southampton that just sat deep, didn't press our midfielders, didn't stop the, the passing lanes and channels. And it was easy for us. And there was plenty of time for our players to do whatever they wanted. This past month, these, the past four or five teams we played, they've made it very hard because, you know, they, they aren't just sitting deep and playing close to their goal. You know, they're using that mid block. They're trying to stop the passing channels. And this is how they're creating chances. So I feel that if Fulham want a chance where they can create those types of shots for guys like Kearney, Mitrovic, etc. You do have to have a bit of a brave approach and have confidence in your ability and also work very hard as a team when you're off the ball. I think that Ranieri will kind of 
bring that kind of off the ball work rate. I think that's one of the things yeah. we've seen as a, as a development of his. I think just kind of finally though, for from me and from my kind of point of view, there's a lot of emotion in this game. You know, it's you know from a Fulham perspective especially, you know, this is the big one that we've come back to. You know, we've obviously yeah. been playing QPR and Brentford and and those kind of derbies in in the lower leagues, and we've come back up. And this is the one I think that if you offered them all to Fulham fans, this is the one they'd want. <laughs> but it, you know, it, there's also the added thing of Ranieri coming back to the bridge. There's yeah. Andre Schürrle coming back with, you know, maybe a point to prove after he left on a bit of a cloud. Yeah. Like, do you think that that emotion is going to play in the day, or do you think that, you know, ultimately under someone as kind of logistical as Sarri, that will be filtered out from the players? I mean, it's a very an, another good question. I've always seen it like this. I think. When you theorise about this type of stuff, a lot of times when you fear, you know, when you're very theoretical about what might happen in the game, we always forget the human side. And I think, you know, that human side, where, you know, for example, confidence and, you know, uh, maybe putting in even more effort because of the opposition you're playing against, always adds up and makes a big difference. You know, as Sari's been staying, um, he said during the first 50 minutes of games recently against these mid-block teams we've been facing, We've looked very poor in the opening minutes. Now, Spurs were the first thing to really punish us for the yeah. slow start. But we have had a slow start because of that type of system we've been facing. And he also made the point that, you know, these teams are hungrier now. And I guess that hunger comes from the confidence, probably from the coach, from understanding, oh, this is their weakness. We can exploit this. And from a London derby aspect as well, that's always going to play a part. So I don't want to completely dismiss that part of the game out. But I think that, you know, Fulham got something to play for. London Derby, fans going to be up for it. I think that it's definitely an aspect of the game that can't be taken for granted. Well, can I just push you for a prediction before we uh, close this out? <laughs> oh, I think for a prediction, I think it's going to be a bit of a tight affair. I think with someone like Hazard, hasn't been fully fit for a while. Uh, you know, has been, you know, uh, not, not, not been too happy with that as well. Um, I don't know. Honestly, it comes down to Fulham's approach. Something tells me that you guys might not use a mid-block as much. I'm not too sure. But it's going to be tight. I'm going for either 2-0 two 2-1. Two Fair enough. Well, thanks very much, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hello, I am Breda Hangeland. And when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Well, thank you very much to Nini from Blue Lions TV. They're giving us the view from the bridge. Next up, we've got an interview that Dom hosted on our Love Sport radio show, which goes out every Wednesday from 8.30 to 10. And he spoke to ex-Fulham striker Barry Hales about what his time at the club was like and how he sees things now. But just before we get onto that, a little bit of housekeeping for our end. The gang over at Fulham for Calm are organising a sponsored walk from Craven Cottage to Stamford Bridge this Sunday in order to raise money for that charity. It's a charity basically for people to talk about depression and counteracting the fact that suicide is the most likely cause of death for men under 45. They're walking from 10.30 from the cottage and the more the merrier. So if you fancy that, please do go down there and support them on their walk. Any donations also would be very much appreciated. You can check out their Twitter page at, at Fulham for Calm. So on with this interview where Dom, Cameron and Guy spoke to ex-Fulham legend Barry Hales. Barry, it was the perfect start, wasn't it, to Claudio's reign? Yeah, we always knew that it would have been a tough game and thankfully got a three points. What particularly impressed you? I mean, Mitrovic has probably been the shining light regardless all season, but he just looked a little bit kind of 
extra on it as well at the weekend. Yeah, and they got a lot more bodies forward, and, that, and that's why Richard had players around him to bounce it off and make the chances. And thankfully, he put them away. Ryan Sessignon hasn't been a scintillating best in the Premier League. Do you think Clowney spurred him on in training when he came up from international duty? What do you yeah. think was the inspiration behind his performance? It's always nice to get a new manager in and fresh ideas, in there. and I think players got to know they've got to start impressing, and that or they're going to be left out of the squad. So everybody stepped up on the day. With Sessegnon though, like Jukanovic was the, was the one who brought him through, and like he did do a post on social media being like, you know, I'm very grateful to Jukanovic. So, do you think that change in manager, especially at such an early stage in his career, is very new to him? Is that sometimes a difficult transition when like new manager coming in? Oh, definitely, yeah. And he's young and he's still learning. A new manager coming in with fresh ideas, he played really well, and hopefully he can maintain that form and bring it through for the rest of the season. Just want to hop back to Mitrovic just for two seconds, scoring two goals against Southampton. He's a potent striker, and yourself, you know, it takes to uh, succeed in the Premier League yourself in the Fulham colours anyway. In terms of an offensive attribute, I mean, what impresses you the most about Mitrovic as a striker? I mean, what stands out as a trademan yourself about Mitrovic and the way he approaches opposition? What stands out is his hold-up play and his aggression. Some balls that get played up to him, he's certainly fairly against him, but he makes it 50-50 and, and that's what gets a team up the pitch and, and get them narrow the box and to create chances. And he's a proven goal scorer in the championship and in the top flight as well. Another thing that's been pointed out is Andre Scherler. And obviously he has got the five goals, which I think him and Mitch have got 12 between, which is one of the highest partnerships in the league at the moment. But he's obviously, people say he doesn't offer too much defensively. Do you think that if Scherler keeps scoring, if he's not offering so much defensively, if he keeps scoring the goals, he will sort of win the Fulham fans over? Oh, definitely. Because goals are win games. And goals is what change games and change players' attitudes. So as long as you keep doing what you're doing and, that, and the rest of the boys behind him can be solid and keep their shape, then he can float around and hopefully score them chances. You've played um, up front by yourself in the Premier League as well. Like That's a whole different thing. It's something that Mitch has done his whole career as well. But particularly going away from home, I remember in your Fulham years, we had an awful away record. <laughs> what is so difficult about playing up front by yourself? You're the focal point. And if the ball don't stick when it comes up to you, the other team are going to be back on the ascendance so it's key to travel the, the focal point holding the ball up and getting the rest of the players up the pitch and getting the more creative players around you to, to um, get in one-on-one positions to create chances for you If we go back to when we got promoted obviously when you were playing for us back in 2001 obviously a lot of those players we, we stuck with in the first season in the Premier League we didn't really do much of that this time you can argue the only players who really kept their places is probably Kearney Sessegnon and Mitrovic and do you think it was actually a mistake to not keep the faith with a lot of the players who got us up last year? Yes, because you get that continuity and bringing in so many new faces and a lot of faces that hadn't played in the Premiership as well. So it's always nice to get that blend of fresh faces and had experience of playing in the Premiership and it's the toughest league and, and that's why we found out this season so far. So it's, it's all right bringing in new faces but you've got to have that blend of the experience of playing in the Premiership and those who brought you up there to give them the chance as well. And obviously in your career you played across you know, all the top four tiers, top five tiers, however far down you want to go. Um, just how big a jump up was that from the First Division to the Premier League? You can give the 
ball away uh, in the championship and you probably won't get punished. In the premiership, you get the ball away once, you, you probably won't get punished. And that's the difference from the two leagues. But if you talk about this weekend's game, obviously we play against Chelsea and also you scored an equaliser. Do you think players like Sessegnon are going to have to teach a lot of these players who come in what this derby actually is all about? Because obviously we haven't played in this since, what, 2013, 2014? So do you think it's down to actually the local lads to teach them how important this game is to the fans? Yeah, most definitely. But I think the players who come to the club, they know uh, Chelsea are the nearest rivals and they want to go get there and give you a good performance. And they know it will be tough and they know that it's very important to try and get a result. Given Chelsea's sudden defensive frailties after losing to Tottenham in the manner that they did, how would you like the Whites to approach the Blues on Sunday? Are they going to be tentative or are they going to give them a little bit more of a run for their money at Stamford Bridge? Knowing an upset could well be on the cards. Still got to have Mitrovic being the focal point, and hopefully, any he has a good game, I, mean, I think the, the whole team will. I think he's the key to getting something out of the game. We were talking about your Fulham career, obviously, another one that was sticking in memory is the uh, the brace at White Hart Lane in the three 0 victory. Would you say that's your favourite Fulham memory, or would you say it was just definitely getting promotion in two thousand and one? Playing in the Premiership, I was the highlight. But yeah, certain games do stand out. And being a Tottenham fan, and it was a, <laughs> an extra special day for me in particular, definitely. What do you think is the is problem with, that has been the scene? Do you think a lot of fa- a lot of the fans were expecting maybe a top ten or a high mid table finish? Do you think a lot of fans forgot that would come up to a totally different league that we left? Yeah, one hundred percent. Because um, the Premiership changes. Yeah, to yeah, you get stronger teams throughout the whole league. And coming through the playoffs, it's always the hardest way to come up. You're regarded as the third best team. You've got to realise coming through that route is always going to be a tough start. Can you talk about how your move to Fulham came about? You arrived for big money back in the day, and like we were splashing the cash, you know, like Al Fayed, Manchester United of the South, all of that kind of thing. How did the move come about from Bristol Rovers? The season finished, I got the golden boot in the League One and then with Rovers we didn't go up and then Fulham they missed out in, in the playoffs so did Rovers and then come the November I think I started off scoring goals and then Fulham came in and being a London lad I, I jumped at a chance but when the season finished Bristol City made an offer of Fulham made but I couldn't jump across from Rovers to um, City so I stayed and then it worked out that Fulham come in three months later and I'm happy to to come back to London. What made Fulham so special in your heart? Because obviously a lot of players play for clubs for over 100 games, but obviously you, you've come back, you're, obviously you're, you're at the playoff final, you're in the pub after the playoff final, buying fans drinks. What is it that's so special about Fulham in your heart? The club believed in me and gave me a chance to play in the higher stage. And um, initially, when I first signed it, the first few games, it didn't quite work out. And that my determination turned it around and then the turn loved the way I play and loved my um, attitude to each game really we've had um, a few players on the show like uh, Liam Racina and Michael Brown and they both spoke about um, Chris Coleman about how great a man manager he was and obviously you played with him as well I just want to know what it was like when he had his accident how did that affect the dressing room it affected him massively he was a key part on and off the pitch and he was one of the players who I think recommended Keegan in signing me he said playing against it was a handful of that for himself so he, he had a particular interest in me coming there as well once I got there he made me relax and, uh, and he helped me throughout my career there so devastating time for the players for the club itself definitely now that Claudio has, has come in we've got that first win on the board how high I think is the question now that Fulham <laughs> fans are asking and not relegation how high can they finish this season now being a Fulham fan as well, I reckon we can finish 13, 14, and that'd be a great season. And then lastly, Chelsea 
at the weekend. How do you see that one going? Well, fingers crossed that we get something out of the game. I can't see us again all three points, but if we get something out of the game, that's still a positive result. And Panieri is going back to Chelsea now. I'm sure he would love to turn him over too. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love Tim Ream and Matt Target. I'm sorry. I think we go to the bridge on Sunday with more hope, I suppose, than expectation. But as they say, never expecting, always <laughs> believing. <laughs> we'll be at the Old Suffolk Punch from 10am on Sunday. If you want to join us, we're going to walk up from there to the bridge. So more the merrier. It's all open at 10am and Sam's kindly opened us to have beers and breakfast in there. So feel free to come and join us if you are coming from that way. All that's left for me to say is thank you very much to Farrell Monk. Grazie ragazzi. Thank you very much, Don Betts. All right. Thank you very much, Ben Jarman. Cheers. I'll be cheering you on from Barcelona this week. Well, indeed. Sammy will be back next week. So thank you very much for putting up with me as a host. I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Fulhamish Podcast. You once. See you later. Visca Catalunya. Catalunya.